Yo, there's a part where David Copperfield walks to the front of the stage and he looks an audience member in the eye and it's like he's yearning for some affirmation as an artist. And he looks and he's, it looks like his, his eyes are cold, like almost like the soul has been sucked out of him. And as I'm looking, I turn around to Jeff and in that very moment, Jeff speaks what I'm thinking and he goes, yo, he doesn't want to be here. <laughs> and I just bust up because it's so fucking true. Welcome to the catch up. Introducing your hosts, Eli Aruth, editor in chief, and Jeffrey Kutnick, CEO, and apparently the only guy who takes this podcast seriously. Of the craziest, most bestest, news breaking, food porn peddling, viral website on the dot coms. It's crazy when your future is decided by an algorithm. Dude, this pizza is fucking crazy! There's not one person in this entire world that believes you. Alright, and welcome to the catch-up. Okay, fatties, we got a weird one for you today. Yeah, we do. So Jeff, Izzy, and I were in Vegas getting in these podcasts, and... This is a very special episode. It's part of our series where we get high on delicious weed edibles and we go to different nostalgic places from our past. And so since we all love magic, we're in Vegas, we decided to get high and go to a David Copperfield show. David Copperfield, again, is the world's most commercially successful magician in history, okay? His TV shows have won 21 Emmy Awards. He's gotten 11 Guinness World Record. He's in the U.S. Library of Congress as a living legend. It's crazy. To date, he's allegedly sold 33 million tickets to his shows. He's made over $4 billion from from those sales. It's more than any solo entertainer in history. So we went to his show at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, and we have some questions. We have a lot of questions. Yeah, I mean, we should probably start start from the beginning, right? Like as soon as we kind of get into Vegas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is that that was the intro, and we've we've I don't know, man. Let's let's we land in Vegas and we go straight to the dispensary, right? Yeah. And we go to Bloom because that's like where we go. That's got to be our plug. And if we're in Orange County, that's where we go. Vegas, Bay Area, Bay Area. We feel comfortable. We go to Bloom. And so we know they always kind of put us on to what's new and what they know we love edibles. So they put us on. And so the two that Jeff and I picked up at this place, one is called Dixie Synergy. It's a, it's a chocolate. Um, it's a hundred milligrams for the whole bar. And I had about eight to 10 milligrams of this. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, and then the other one that we really want to talk about was this, green tea it's called it's from just society and it's a brewed green tea it's honey flavored the whole thing is 58 calories and it's only five milligrams if you finish the whole can so that's mad sessionable you jeff you liked it yeah i i liked it a lot and even before i tried it when we were at the dispensary when they said that they were packing some tea for us i was I was really, I was really excited because I hadn't personally seen, seen tea, but then on top of that, knowing that it was five milligrams is actually makes that perfect for me because when we go on these episodes, I'm not really looking for much more than five. Yeah. And if I'm, 
if anything, I'll take five, see how I'm at, and then go a little bit further. But I never like to start with knowing that I'm doing ten. So this was perfect because you know we were we were watching we were watching football. I popped open a can and just drank it like I did normally, yeah. which was which is actually probably one of my favorite edible experiences so far. Especially because I don't know if it's because it's a liquid. And that it goes through like a bit of a different digestion process than when you eat edibles. But I got hit within 20 to 30 minutes too. Um, and so both of those things were, were pretty exciting to me. I mean, I just took a sip of another one right now. But Izzy, how did you feel, man? <laughs> I was good, man. I had a Red Bull and I was good for about half of the show. And then I got tired again. So for setup on these bits... Jeff and I are the ones that kind of indulge and we, we don't normally do it a lot. So that's why the edibles kind of hit us funkier and, and, and headier than, than most. And then we bring along Izzy, producer Izzy, and he's kind of our control. He doesn't indulge in that. He doesn't drink or smoke or do any of that. So it's great because when we recap these weird experiences, we can kind of get like if it was just in Jeff and I's head or Izzy can be the, no, that shit was actually what you guys saw or didn't see. So that's what makes it so fascinating about this David Copperfield shit, man. Like when's the last magic show you went to, Jeff? And before we get before, before we get into the magic show real quick though, I did want to mention that the Just Society tea actually tasted good because oh, it, was amazing. I, that, it like it tasted like a honey tea and we had just bought, I don't know, a a buy uh like 5 calorie stevia tea like at the airport because eli you asked me for something that was like non-sweetened and i got you something fake sweetened and i've had it you've had it we both weren't like super impressed by it and so this cannabis tea something that i would think that might sit on my palate wrong was something that just tasted amazing. Like I was really, I was enjoying the beverage itself and it didn't have a weird aftertaste or anything. And that's probably the, that's the first edible that I've had where I didn't even really have a trace of marijuana in the taste for me. Yeah. Did you feel that way? I I tasted it ever so slightly and I like, I like a little taste of it. It's like when you're drinking a good mixed cocktail, you want to taste the alcohol a little bit. Um, or you want it to be forward, but but I totally hear you on it. It was definitely the most sessionable cannabis drink I've ever had, and I like that it's in the green tea, so you get a little bit of a ever so slight caffeine buzz for it. But it's tea, so it's yeah. just just nice. You could totally walk around on strip with this. I think like it's it just looks like a little energy drink or a little soda can, but it's very but it's just tea and it's infused with cannabis. What's the cannabis beer that we had? Uh, for mid- the medieval times one, if you remember, um, I don't remember. Do you remember how many milligrams it that was? That one was ten. It was, it was 10, ten, right? Because I, I think I specifically remember pouring out half of it, and that's where this was the first time where I could actually pop open this beverage, drink the entire thing, and not worry about you know I didn't have to pour half of it out or not use the other half. This was just like. A perfect five milligram. And if you wanted 10, drinking two would be no problem because the the can isn't that big, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like even if you're just casually drinking tea, you can get to 10 no problem. So And I like how fast it hit. Yeah, definitely hit. hit. So like you're not like having to wait 
three hours before something really hits you. I mean, within a couple minutes of drinking this thing, one, you taste it a little bit. And then I, w- I would say, venture to say about 20, 25 minutes into the drink. And I wasn't even all the way done. I was feeling it already. Yeah. So, you know, that's kind of the pro of this one is like it kind of hits your system a little bit faster. So Jeff, for record, had the one five milligram THC tea can. I had that tea can and I also had, I wanted a little bit more. So I had that Dixie Synergy chocolate. It's like a, it's just a smooth and sweet milk chocolate. Um, really cool packaging on it. I, d- I dug it. I still, I'm excited to actually have the rest of it today. But so that's that's what we were on. How much did you take again of the chocolate? I took about so they're broken up into eight milligram chunks, and I took eight and a half. So actually, I had about twelve milligrams mm. additionally. So I was about seventeen milligrams in. So again, for you for you like heavy pot smokers out there. You're probably like, yo, these guys are whack. But uh, for us, again, we don't do it that often. And so that's why we, we want to explore some of these new edibles you guys can enjoy. And again, I don't actually know if these are new edibles at the store. They were just new to us and they were recommended to us. And the recommendation came came through. I love, love both of these things. So, Izzy, from your perspective, because I took five milligrams and Eli had 17. <laughs> and I, I'm assuming that and I think I can say I know. I think I think Eli has a, a bigger tolerance than me because I think you partake, even though you don't partake all the time, you've partaked for long, like a longer period of time. Like I, I didn't really enter cannabis until we started doing this podcast. So it's pretty brand new to me. But from an outsider perspective, does it seem like are we, are Eli we and I are on different levels of high? Does it seem like we're on the same level? I'm curious about like looking at each of us and then going, you know, knowing that he had 17 and I had five, like what's your what's your feelings there? I think you guys probably take them differently as far as um, how you react. Like I definitely noticed like in the elevator, Jeff, you are more willing to just talk to strangers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Cause usually we're, we're just like quiet in elevators or whatever. And like, you're just like, you're, you're in there. You're just like talking to people. Eli, your eyes were droopy as fuck. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't think you were gone, but like if you had taken maybe the other half of that chocolate or another piece, like I feel like you would have been, dude, you were the way you would look at me. You were just like, it was glazed. Oh, so glazed. But you never, what's funny is he's like, you never mention this stuff in person. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm here for observation. Me- well, yeah, but like, <laughs> okay, so Izzy and I don't hang out that much like outside of work, but when I'm like trying to read Izzy during these fun little bouts where we go out and get high, I'm just like, yo, Izzy's acting more high than me like he's doing some weird shit right now like he's the stuff he's saying like did he also indulge is he or is he messing with me does he think i don't know does he think like what's going what's going through is that just how or is that just how you are in public or is or were you high i think since you guys are a little less buttoned up i'm more open to be myself so i think ethan said it best when we did the high at angel stadium uh, another great episode where we pretty much ate through the whole stadium. Mm-hmm. These, these dudes were high. When you guys were like, "Is is Izzy high right now?" and Ethan just goes, "No, Izzy is just Izzy." Mm. And that 
I think that's just. So are you saying that, do you think that Eli and I and see like the Izzy behind the work curtain when we go on these cannabis trips because Eli and I, who are technically like bosses, I guess, right? Like, because we're getting loosened up, like, you feel like you're in a place where you can loosen up. Is that what... Do you feel that I way? I think so. Like, I'm not, like... I'm not uncomfortable around you guys. We hang out and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But, like, I can... I can say some shit. And, like, I feel like you guys will feel it and think it's funny <laughs> more when you're high. Yo, because... <laughs> because <laughs> I Because I definitely feel... I feel similar to you, Eli, is that when we're high... And again, for context, if you haven't listened to an episode before, Izzy, our producer, has never drank, never smoked. So when Eli kind of asks if you're high, it's mostly in jest because yeah. we know that you're obviously not. But, you're, but, but your behavior, I, again, I don't know if it's because I'm high, but it makes me think like you're on our level. Because we're in the... Okay, so we're going down the elevator. We're staying at... The, the this Hilton off the strip, and, <laughs> and we yo like, keep sharing a podcast with your friends, bro. We'll try to record this in the MGM Grand next time. So we're at we're we're in our suite, and we go downstairs, and I forget I forget the Ivex joint that I was going to take be, with us because I only took five milligrams, and I was like, oh, we should have something in case this doesn't hit me in the way that I, you know, or isn't a sustained high or whatever. So we go back up to the hotel room. As we're going back up, this elderly gentleman with a fresh pizza, personal pizza. Yeah, smelled amazing. Yeah, like walked walked into the elevator and it it did smell amazing, right? And and he kind of had watched me with these other groups of people like interact and kind of joke around. I think not be obnoxious. I don't don't think I was being obnoxious, but I was definitely being like playful, probably a bit loud, especially in a confined space, right? But then when it's just us and the guy with the pizza. Well, the last one's left. And Izzy just says out loud pretty seductively. He just goes, pizza. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, and so I've never, I've never seen like him interact with a stranger on, on that level. And it was kind of awkward and weird and hilarious at the same time. Yo, so here's what, here's what I was thinking. What was really happening, though? That's the point. That's why you're here, Izzy. <laughs> Just tell so us that, the real. That, tell, we're that tell definitely you happened. Shit. But okay. here's what here's what was going on in my head. I, obviously, the pizza smelled good. By saying that, like, I, I looked at him and I was expecting him to be like, "Oh yeah, I got this down at Circus Circus. So and so it was eight ninety nine. And like I try to make eye contact with him to like try to get that connection. Be like, "Yo, where'd you get that?" I just said pizza, mm. and he just like he just gave me like a like a blank stare and then looked away. And I was like, "That's not the reaction yeah. I was thinking." Yeah, but <laughs> like, what in your mind said, you know, I could ask this guy a question about where he got his pizza, or I could just whisper pizza and then make eye contact with him and then he will know that i want to know where his pizza is like that feels like a very inebriated thing to me yeah, like, no, I'm not, in, in I, my experience like that kind of thing works it's like it's it's like a different way of of asking it without being direct like if i walk by and i'll be like yo cotton candy and then like a lady will be like oh yeah this I got this around the corner, whatever, whatever. It's so great. Blah, blah, blah. Like usually people are like so excited to tell you about where they got that thing or like 
about it like their experience that they're eating it like oh it's so good you should try it like usually like i don't have to do much i just gotta say it and point at it so he didn't meet you the other 50 yeah, yeah. percent of the like way that, like oh. that's worked for me like my whole life and that was the first time i think i can remember where it was just like damn that's just where it stopped <laughs> yeah, it definitely stopped and it not only stopped there we were we're on the 24th floor of our hotel and this guy was on the 23rd floor and he exits the elevator and he looks back at us and he goes don't be too loud i'm on the floor below you (laughs) and i straight up like i don't know if that was sarcastic kind of joking i think it was or 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 if it was like serious because his tone like you i i didn't pick up the sarcastic tone like he the way he exited the elevator one step out did a 180 to face us and say don't be loud i think i think i read it that he's of an age and we're in a hotel of substance that he's concerned about <laughs> the the volume that might come from our room you know what i later. think it was and he's gonna go upstairs to enjoy this pizza <laughs> And he doesn't want three fuckheads <laughs> in the room below ruining his experience. Here's what I think. I think he did say it in jest because after our awkward experience, he realized that I was trying to like ask him something. He was like, oh, this dude was non-threatening. He wasn't trying to steal my pizza. He probably just wanted to know where I got it from. So then he was like, instead of just walking out and making the entire thing awkward, he just made like some weird little joke. Oh, kids, uh keep down up there and man what like world a- do you live in is he like yo if y'all yeah. are listening right now just just pause the podcast and eat an edible and then uh <laughs> this whole story gets way better i promise we were also in the elevator for a very long time okay, that was a long like, time yeah. yo we did a lot of things last night that was like a long time it took you know Everything. why it took a long time because we all forgot that we need to use the card to activate oh yeah yeah. and we and i I should mention that we are staying in a hotel like without a casino yeah so it is like i get why a person who might be trying to have a night in Mm. in his hotel room with a pizza and he's just trying to chill out on saturday night like i get that and then he sees like you know three people having a good time in an elevator and he's scared for his night to come i don't know i honestly my read of the situation is i don't know if he was completely sarcastic i didn't see a smile like (laughs) i didn't i didn't see him be like and keep it down you guys and it's like he's just like giving a finger point finger guns or he's he's got or he's got a just a crack of a smile and okay if you have a pizza that smells that good in a in a personal pizza box in an elevator you're not testing a slice on your way up? Yeah, I mean, mm. you think he was taking it? Maybe his wife is up in the room. He doesn't want to be the dude that comes Maybe. up with like a half-eaten box. Like, <laughs> you fucker, you couldn't wait. One elevator ride, right? He, Here's the thing. He gets this back and elevator he's like, ride, I almost got mugged. <laughs> oh, yeah. This this Mexican guy with a beard said pizza, and I yeah. thought he was going to take it from me. Yeah, and then Osama was in there. <laughs> And then a guy from Street Fighter and all three of them almost <laughs> fucked me up and got me this pizza. I did think for a moment, I was like, if I took this pizza and ran, he couldn't catch me. <laughs> <And then> I, <laughs> like, like, what's he going to do? 
that came through. I didn't do it, obviously. I respect, I respect, but like it definitely went through my mind. Like there's not a chance in hell, even with my ruptured ACL, that he could catch me. <laughs> it, and to paint the picture, guys, the amount of time we spent talking about this elevator is probably real time how long we were actually in the <laughs> elevator trying to get downstairs. And I, I mean, I wasn't high, so I, I probably should have been the one to take like an authoritative push and actually use the card. But can we talk about that and for that, a second? And, the, and these are, have some grievances. Yo, and the, and the, <laughs> yeah, bro, I'm so used to you guys just like leading the way and doing everything. So I'm just on my phone. I'm just like, why is this elevator not moving? Can, can we talk about how like in friend groups, there's like a little bit of a chain of command and like everyone yeah. there's, and everyone has it in the friend group. The dynamics are different. And in our group, it's like Jeff is usually the most like, put together sure. and like knows where things are. Jeff did a lot of the booking and like has the tickets for stuff. So I don't like, and I trust Jeff. So I'm like, I'm not going to be like, Jeff, did you bring the tickets? Sure. Jeff, did you bring this? Like there's a chain of trust and a chain of command and uh, a good equilibrium of where things are going. So, but Izzy is technically our producer, technically the sober one. So it should allot us the idea that Jeff and I can be a little bit more loosey-goosey. You have to be aware and, and check on Jeff, check on Eli. And so the elevator lasts for a long time because like, but, but and then to understand Izzy, Izzy is a fun-loving, jovial guy that marches to the beat of his own drum, even if that drum is way slower beats per minute than everything else yo so even before we hit the elevator eli and i had talked about leaving for like 15 minutes in the room and eli and i and again i don't know if this is just feels like it was so much longer because i was high eli and i were standing by the bathroom ready to go and we're like were you really yeah yeah and we're, we're like standing by the bathroom we're like is you ready and you're like yeah and then we opened the door to leave and you beeline to the kitchen in our suite. You grab a glass and you pour the slowest <laughs> glass of water I've ever There's watched no in my way. entire There's life. No way it was and then slow. you drink it slowly and then you put it down. You had a thought to yourself. And I was like at the door, holding the door, like, what is happening? Well, we got magic to see. <laughs> we, we, we're, it's a far, like, where we're staying is nowhere near the MGM. And no one had a sense of urgency. And I looked at Jeff. I was like, if, Je if Jeff thought we were late, we would be fucking moving at this point. Yeah. And we were, we were okay on time. We were but definitely I, fine on time. No, we, we were, were definitely okay close, on time. But it was just like, I was just like, I, I, I honestly couldn't tell if it was me thinking it was a long time or it was still a long time even when i was i think it's in the middle i i really do think it was in the middle because bruh, i took a i took a quick swig of water bruh so me and jeff <laughs> waited by the door <laughs> i'm glad we're talking about this now <laughs> we guys for context our night is just starting we haven't even left we haven't even left to go to this show this is why it takes so long <laughs> to do everything so we wait by the door and it's me and Jeff just looking down at our phone. Like, we're done. We're dressed. We're ready to fucking go. And then I have to, I think we bring up like, should we go? Like, and Izzy's like, oh, yeah, 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 let's go. 
I was I, like, <laughs> I'm like uploading files. Say something. I didn't know. Well, we're all standing. I don't know. I didn't even see you guys. I felt I like just, I was just standing awkwardly at my own door, just waiting for you. There's but no I, way. You guys were like on your laptops or something. No, we were standing right here. Bro, I'm going to start looking at my phone. <laughs> anyway, so eventually we get out of this elevator, right? Yeah, but then we got to talk about this Uber driver. And I. Yo, both Uber drivers. There was some. There's some wild stuff on both Uber drivers. And, and again, Izzy, is there wild stuff that happens on a lot of Uber drives? In your opinion, Be, and or was the first drive that we had with the really nice, soft-spoken, I I think Midwestern lady. Mm-hmm. But like, you navigated her through a left turn, and then she hit a curb at the MGM Grant. Uh, at them jam grand to the point where her undercarriage was scraping the sidewalk <laughs> well okay so first the reason i helped her turn is because that intersection is fucked okay and there was someone turning and like you can't see so i had to like peek my head over yeah. to help her out also she had her seat back like a cholo just like <laughs> all the way back i'm like yo lady you you are not gonna look both ways like that so i was like all right i'm gonna help her out because she's like i don't know got back problems and got that shit almost lying down so i looked through and i was like we're good and she's like you sure i was like there are no cars we're good and like she so was we go. mad relaxed right yeah she dude there's, she was i mean she, she ate the curb a little bit i don't know what that was about i mean she just missed it she like well, she no, didn't no. see it i think for people listening we went to paint the context like she was a very relaxed yeah. Uber driver and the reason why we're bringing up the curb thing is because it took us, I feel, like 50 minutes to get to the MGM Grand. <laughs> Not because there was traffic, but because she was going like 10 miles in a 40. And then she also, like, there was an unprotected left that Izzy was talking about. And there was a fair amount of traffic at first. And then, you you know that, like, rhythm you have to take when you're looking like, all right, is that car far enough where I can make yeah. this left? There were no more cars. Yeah. Like, it is a dark road. But you, you couldn't, you see there you were no see more. Because there was a a car on the other side turning kind of blocking her, her I, vision of yo, the that car truck. left bro that, <laughs> time, we were we were at that left for like five minutes and i was like she she probably could have taken it like immediately but when she didn't we had to wait for all the cars to go through no no i well, know but then then you know how i knew it took a while because i was i felt it take a while i looked at jeff jeff's cool and then all then eventually to the point where you izzy say Hey, I think you got this. Like, <laughs> I think you can make it now. There was no more car. Like enough time had passed. I get it, man. I've, I'm always a dude that like stops at the yellow in an embarrassing amount of time. Like, cause I don't need, I don't want to like pummel through the intersection. That was, so this whole slow ride gets, it's humorous at the very end. Cause then she suddenly turns into fucking Paul Walker and like tries to go up this weird hill and crushes this curb like where was all of okay, that intensity so, before so for me it's this weird juxtaposition of she was like super calm and relaxed but her foot was always on the brake like so i'm calm and relaxed but i'm also very conservative with every driving move that i make which Bro, also people, made it like people drive crazy here i had no problem with her being safe and like looking around and stuff because people were like okay so in general you were you crazy. were i mean you were also talking with the driver about her family oh, yeah, and granddaughter nice. her, so her daughter so you goes were, to texas tech she's like yeah so you were <laughs> in general you were like all good with this driver because once yeah. she hit a curb at mgm grand i was like oh i'm ready i'm ready to really get out and that was <laughs> part of my but high paranoia for sure it was like a middle curb kind of thing the ones that split the like 
the split the lanes. Yeah, I don't care where the curb is. <laughs> yeah, that's she hit, worse. She hit, like she hit it. Like that's worse. It's in. You she, can see it. She hit it. People were honking, and I was like, "I'm, I'm ready to to go in." <laughs> Yo, yeah, she hit it like it was a ship and it capsized. Like she just she hit the curb and just stopped doing shit. What the fuck? How many stars does this Uber driver get? She had five. From what no, no, I no. I mean, like, how many would you give? Uh, I don't think she was bad. I mean, I'm not gonna knock her for like, five star. Maybe four and a half. I mean, I'm, I'm talking all this shit. I would have given her a five too. No, but. I, again, yeah. she was really nice. But I think it's I don't. Do you think it's the level of detail that? I judge is happening because I'm like if yeah it, I think I think you guys are maybe overthought it a little bit I don't, and even when she hit the curb it wasn't like that crazy yo she spun out dog she <laughs> spun out from a stop like, <laughs> like I get it if you're going 100 we were stopped and somehow she got like caught in a sinkhole in the middle of the fucking Vegas strip how does this like both of her back tires were peeling out <laughs> we weren't even moving you don't have to be high and know this fucking peeling out okay so we get out of this because I, I was nervous too at this point i was like i don't know like, is he's gonna like probably fall in love with her i don't know <laughs> we're talking a lot and is he like <laughs> yo i gotta talk about this because i couldn't talk about it in the uber drive um do you guys when you when you have two people in an uber you always sit in the back seat right yeah yeah okay i have a friend shout out to eric fitzgerald fucking weirdo <laughs> right his lawyer friend of mine when he gets in an uber he fights for shotgun like he calls it he wants shotgun and there was once it was like me and him so there's only two people (laughs) i just assume you know like when it's your friend driving you fight for shotgun but that's how reach is too. reach like his default is sitting in the front yo i don't get it for me it's like on uber driver like respect but i'm gonna sit in the back seat like you're driving me around there's transaction happening but eric and friends like eric apparently like reach he's like yo they're people too it's like i get it i have respect for them as a human but i'm following this as like taxi cab etiquette i'm gonna get in the back seat especially if i'm the only one in the car (laughs) or the or the only two i I definitely I think that's I think that's weird. Yo, Eric is in a front seat, son. Did anyone have friends out there that get in the front seat of Uber? Y'all psycho. <laughs> the only thing you can talk about is just small talk, and I I hate small talk. I, I can I do think, small talk from the back. Well, and that's what I think. That's what I think. I don't. What I don't like about it is when you're in the front seat. If you do not engage in small talk, that that car ride becomes really, really awkward. Yeah. So you are now in a position where, to be human, you should be talking with this person because you are six inches from this person. Right. If you're in the back seat with your headphones on. You might you might get a word or two in and and then it's silent the rest of the way, which is most mostly my preference for Uber rides. So that's where it's like if if my friend is Eric and Eric I know Eric is a good dude, yeah. if I'm jumping in into an Uber, I would still prefer him jumping into the backseat with me because I'd rather talk to him yeah. and have a conversation than I would let's make sure to have a three way conversation from the jump, right? Yeah. But he feels like nervous energy not being in the front. So he has to sit in the front and talk to the Well, Uber does he driver. get car sick? I don't think he gets car sick. Because that's, that's a good reason to be in the front. I get, I get that. If you have to sit in the front seat, and that's why a lot of my friends fight for shotgun when we drive. It's like, yo, I just can't sit in the back seat of a car. I get that. 
but Eric does it for like the conversational social purposes, not for, and there's other people out there. I just thought that was weird because I fight for the backseat, like especially when I'm high, like the, I don't want to talk to anybody. So every time we got into Uber, me and Izzy would look at each other like, bro, you take the front seat. Oh, and that's, and that, for that. yeah, because I mean, because yeah, because when you're with friends, like, yeah, I think you, you, on when we're, when we're hanging out with Paul, Ryu, right? Mm. Like you go default front seat first yeah like, and then when you were high you went default back seat so that was that, that was definitely a change because that's a friend right, right. and as yeah. a friend and i want to catch up with you i want to sit in the back like you don't want your friend to feel like they're working for you by driving you around so it's it's, it's disrespectful in your friend group to like sit in the back seat and leave the shotgun open so i get that but like an uber driver is a transaction sorry about it like i i'm fully respectful of all my uber drivers like thank you but like, I'm thanking you with the dollar, not yeah. with the other way around. And I hope Uber gives you that dollar. I can't speak for that. So um, guys, we make it to MGM. Stay with us. We make it. We're there. We yeah. go We go to David Copperfield. I remember what we're doing, which is great. Cause I forgot this, this like, <laughs> I'm like, we're on this crazy mission. And then I forgot. So it wasn't like fun in my head. It was like, we're going to this next place and I'm getting a little hungry also and then the whole time me and jeff and and izzy now we're talking like you think we're gonna there's gonna be food at this yeah thing? like which actually opens up a really interesting conversation right okay so the three of us all fans of magic the three of us all fans of basketball yeah. right so like not only do we just like go to these shows to like be entertained which is a huge part of it right but like i think the three of us carry like a, a higher regard and level of respect for the creativity or the athleticism that's beyond just entertainment, right? Like we have respect for what they do and we treat them with a high regard. As we're getting hungry on our way to the MGM Grand, we, we start, or at least Eli and I, because you were busy talking about the grandkids with the Uber driver, is he? <laughs> but Eli and I start talking about like, yo, if this, ha if this place has a concession stand, if this place has nachos, right? that you can order and bring to your table f before the show. Do you munch on nachos while you're like watching magic or, and, and the example that I brought up to Eli is like when you're sitting front, I, I get that you eat nachos at an NBA game. Like I get that a ton of people do that when you're, when you have court side seats at an NBA game, are you really, should you be eating nachos there? Like just out of the respect of what you're watching. And also because if you spill it, you're the asshole that created the timeout break <laughs> that has nacho cheese all over the floor that people play. And so I'm, I'm curious about how you guys feel about eating like snack food, potentially loud snack food while someone's a sit potent, like doing their craft essentially. I was definitely ready to give a ranking to if this opera level art or is this whatever, wherever we find magic lands, which I think we can try it together after this to like figure out where on this totem pole it lands. Is it sport related art? Cause sport could be an art and it, you know, in, in a lot of capacity and you're, you're witnessing something, you're going to a show, but it's socially acceptable to eat at a basketball game. Like even in the front row, you can eat and that's cool. I do. I feel like you should be able to eat front row. I think if it's a nuisance to the game, you probably shouldn't. I think you got to be careful. Like, like Jeff just mentioned, like that nachos, that's risky, man. If you drop those, if 
someone comes and hits you like you got to be strategic now that i think about it. if you're front row maybe a hot dog that's not going to get all over the place if you just don't put too many toppings on it but damn you got to be strategic if you're up there right well and i think there's i think there's like a there's like a class issue at play because for me like i've never sat courtside that would be that's a big dream of mine to sit courtside in a team that i'm really excited about like you guys know i'm a clippers fan like if i got to sit courtside in this upcoming season with Kawhi and paul george whatever and then someone next to me like spilled their coke all over the floor i'd be like get the fuck out of (laughs) here like this is like this is basically holy land for me and like you can't stop for two hours. So you to think like, no one sitting courtside should have any food or drink. So that's why, I, but, but that's why I think it's a class thing is because to me, sitting courtside is potentially a once in a lifetime experience and I treat it with the reverence of that. But I think most people sitting courtside are fucking like, I got my tickets two hours ago because I can afford these courtside seats whenever I want them. And in that, if I'm in that mindset as like, a rich person, then yeah, I want my nachos when I want my nachos. I want my Coke or beer when I want my Coke or beer. I don't treat it the same as like a fan who's never sat there. But if I had, like if I had to vote for where my way would be, it'd be like, yeah, front row, respect. Like there are no tables. You you have to put shit down on the floor or wherever you do it. Just don't do it and don't do it for two hours. But again, I, I think people with larger dispensable incomes than me they they get shit when they want it all the time and so i don't think i don't think you can do that as the staple center and be like oh we have this restriction because you'll just get shat on by every season ticket holder that's in that front row dude you blew it jeff because like if you'd gone to a clipper game like 10 years ago courtside was probably like seven (laughs) dollars i did blow it i did blow it i think and i you know i love basketball i think it's it's easily by and far the best sport out there. Do I think front row should have no food or drink? I don't think so. I, th- I think I think you should just allow it. I think it's just just keep it going because sport falls on a different level of totem pole than art, than uh, performance art, magic, comedy, all of that. Because I think you can actually disrupt gameplay in terms of like a magician's act if you're crunching and they need that moment of silence to affect the audience in a certain way like you can fuck it up more readily than the spare instance someone might spill their beer and it's far it goes far enough that you have to like stop the game or your nachos fall and fuck like the next time out someone's gonna come clean it up it's not on the court yet but i think in magic or in the opera like i imagine the opera there's like no food like you on like you can't yeah. you don't get popcorn. It's the opera. Everyone's dressed to the nines. Also so th- in sport, you're spending potentially three to four hours of your day there. Like mm-hmm. you kind of, I mean, you kind of got to get something to eat. That's at true. At some point, like opera, maybe two hours. Well, I've never been to an opera, but I heard some of them are long. It's, oh, yeah, okay, okay, some okay. of them are long. Some of them can be like three plus. But hours. they also have intermissions. They have intermissions yeah, and you can go get and, so, and that's what's really interesting is, yeah, they do have intermissions where you're specifically 
like that's when you eat and drink yeah because like, i've been to musicals and they'll have an intermission and like you can go grab a beer go get some food yeah so stuff. but at musicals like you don't bring that beer back to your seat right or you don't eat and chomp and munch on something when someone's trying to perform yeah. for you where in sports inherently during all of it you're cheering you need to make noise to help your team or help like make the other team fuck up but I'm also not completely thinking about it only from like the on stage and performer perspective. I'm also thinking about it from the person next to you perspective. So I, I just went mm. to go see Jamie Kennedy uh, do stand up at, at the improv. And at the improv, you can order all types of food and all types of shit, right? And while the, like, while this performer is doing his thing like i have someone like eating nachos in my ear right which is like totally allowed like you can order nachos and you and obviously you're going to eat those nachos but in an improv where you literally have less than three inches of space between the person next to you right it's like it got to the point where i was like you know this isn't at, like completely disrupting my experience but is it disrupting on some level yeah is it taking away from this guy's craft yeah on on some level and again i know that the improv isn't going to take away its food like that doesn't make any sense but is there a better like are there certain foods that should be you know can we not do can we not do nachos for example and yeah it's kind of like a, a fuck up on their part why are you gonna serve nacho that shit's so crunchy and improv is like so quiet well and they serve it because everyone understands what it is it's probably one of their top selling things what's well, easy like you don't necessarily want to watch comedy and have a fork and a knife so yeah. all the food is is in that variety it's handheld but on the other end of the coin a lot of comedians don't like the idea of food and beverage at their shows oh, for really? a multitude of reasons one is the check dropping is a lot of one that i've heard and the check dropping is when is the right time for the waiter or waitress to bring you your final bill right and because there's a lot of there's a lot of transacting that has to happen. Like they have to drop the bill on your table. You have to pull out a card. You have to pay for it. Talk to the waiter, all this. Not, like in that whole time, there's a waiter standing, either blocking someone's view. That person is no longer paying attention to the show. And a lot of comedy instances, like you need every word accounted for, for the joke to punch or hit. Sure, sure. You miss it and you do it. And if you pay that same respect to the other arts that perform live, food and beverage start making less sense when you're doing it in tandem with watching the show. So that's why a lot of, uh, if you think about it, when having an intermission makes a lot of sense, but if we were served food at the David Copperfield show, which spoiler alert, we weren't, you know. It, they had tables too. They we had tables. tables. I wonder if they just used that, that space for other shit, but we can get we should finally get to that but <laughs> 40 minutes in we're finally going to start talking about david copperfield so i mean we we brought this up because like one we were hungry two we were trying to decide what class of performance like, and shit i was like i would have snacked on some nachos that felt like a very good thing that i would want to eat but is that disrespectful because we also knew going in 
we weren't just sitting anywhere. We got front we got front row seats. Front row touch. So am I like that guy with the nachos? Eli, you were you're talking about the anxiety of like accidentally getting bumped and throwing nachos on stage or of sliding a pizza slice too far, which was like to me like pr- pretty pretty ridiculous. But you seemed pretty serious in the moment. And I definitely think there's an there like when you're sitting where we were, where Izzy, you could literally touch the stage. Oh, and I did. And you did. Is yeah, you could fuck up. Like you could spill a drink there for sure. Will it affect the outcome? I, I don't know. It definitely wouldn't have been the first time that ever happened. And since he does five hundred shows a year, with that first row being you know occupied a good amount of that time, so I had a different type of anxiety. I was like, I was like for sure thinking that we were going to be part of the show, and if like if I'm stuffing my face with popcorn and he's mm. like you son come up and i just got popcorn all over and like I'm in your like, beard oh, shit like why'd you have to do that right now bro like it would be me oh i definitely decided to not get they didn't have nachos by the way like they had pop they had popcorn and they had like, like drinks it was mostly pushing booze like uh high ticket price booze and we didn't get anything but I definitely dis- also decided that, I, you know, even though I definitely was hungry because we hadn't eaten for four or five hours and then I was high on top of that, I was like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I chose to respect magic at that time, which was probably the wrong decision for the show that we saw. <laughs> but th- that's, that's how I felt at that time was like, you know, we're sitting front row. Let's just, let's just enjoy it. Cause I, I was thinking about, is this is this floor seats for my favorite team also to bring it back a little bit while we were waiting in line we got crop dusted by an old man <laughs> standing in front of us yo did you not smell that eli i didn't smell thing, so man. izzy, oh izzy and i had this moment where we locked eyes right <laughs> and i was like izzy this man knows he's going through the exact same smell experience that i am and it's definitely it wasn't crop crop dusted is when you fart and you walk away and it spreads throughout a line. We got that was laid. Just we just got <laughs> laid on from from one or both. I don't know. It could have been. It could have been both. But at least team one dude directly in front of us. And I lock eyes with Izzy, and we're like, "Man, we're sharing this moment." And then Izzy, while our eyes are locked, asked me, "Hey, does copper come from a field or does it come from a mine?" <laughs> like that's the question he asked me, and I was like, "I." Yo, I thought we. I, well, I was not going to be deterred of that's my question his, that's, just because I smelled that. I was like, okay, we know we smell it, but I still got to ask you this. When I it's talk, important. When I talk about Izzy antics are higher than the guys who are actually high, like that's what it sounds like. But to me, I was completely duped because I thought we were sharing this moment in getting farted on. The and fuck and, going <laughs> on? And Izzy's like asking me a random question. And but uh, anyway, that's something. It was definitely we experienced, and it was a little rough going into the show. Oh man, the Copperfield. What do you get in that situation? Do you just not? You don't bring it up, right? Would you? Would you ever feel if you got farted on? Would you ever bring it up to the person that you thought was the culprit? And are they in your group or are they random? 
Random. This per- these guys were old dudes oh, in front oh, of what us. What are you gonna say? Be like, hey, yeah. bro, like close your butt cheeks, man. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, change your diet. I don't know, like. What am I supposed like? How do you like? What am I gonna accomplish here? Like, please don't do it again. Like, his flatulence, like it's gonna happen. <laughs> like, I'm glad. And, like, I'm glad you guys feel that way because I've definitely farted on lots of people over the course of of time, not purposefully. Bro, but I'm, I always, I'm, I'm I the guy al- that checks over both shoulders. And I'm like, all right, am I good? Am I good? I yeah, because I just you know. Like, but if you weren't good, would you just explode inside? I'm just saying, like, what do you do <laughs> otherwise? Like, you could check. I've, de- I've definitely, like, look both and see, like, okay, shit, these people are here. I guess I would step out of line a little bit and act like I'm checking for the time. <laughs> yeah, I'll walk I'll far and in. come back because I don't want to be the person that they think farted. Pretend phone call. I mean, That's surprise, I farted. It was me. <laughs> like, I was not talking to my girlfriend last night while you guys were walking, like, and I walked away. Like, that was a pretend phone call, and I was just like. Oh, that was you shitting your pants, huh? <laughs> I knew it, Izzy. So we finally make it inside. We go all the way to the front. We which, sit. Is, which is a fun feeling to walk all the way to the front. Yeah. And, I, you know, I, again, that's happened. I don't know how many times it's happened in my life. It doesn't happen that often. Had it happened in medieval times, I felt like a freaking oh, so prince. Right. For this podcast, it's probably happened. It definitely happens more for this podcast than it would just me personally doing stuff. So that that is a really, is a pretty high emotional feeling going on walking down to the front row where you can touch the stage i mean i we even have a boomerang right of you izzy like touching the stage oh yeah so i'd say our emotions are pretty high at that point so we're pretty uh we're pretty clean at this point everything we're walking in we have high hopes yeah david copperfield we love magic we've never seen he's a he is a genuine legend you know it's our parents parents know him like david copperfield is probably him lance burton and maybe houdini like he's been ripping since the 70s right doing tv shows and everything he like that's how he got his fame yeah yeah and so you know we had the highest of hopes and i as soon as things started i what they what they ask you to do we're sitting down and i'm like man we're close enough where we might be in this show i don't know what to expect yeah but we're close enough to be in this show yeah we are and sure enough this girl that works there yeah in like a uh wearing all black all black like a stagehand yeah she comes up and she uh she she reaches over our shoulder we're sitting down and she goes hey gentlemen how are we doing this evening and we're like we look we all look at each other yeah like like, we're getting we're getting approached right now yeah like jeff we're gonna be we're about to be in the show like this is happening for a reason yeah they know they know we're doing a podcast (laughs) Like the, the world is coming together and we're going to be in the show. Well, I'm she literally asked us if we were media or magicians. Yo, so I didn't see her go to anyone else first, but she walked up. She's like, are you guys uh, members of the press or members of the magic community? Yo, and you straight up real fast were like, no. Yeah, I was like, no, neither. So what, yeah. what, made, you, what made you say that? Did you think that if you said yes, that we wouldn't get to be a part of the trick? There's two parts of it. I thought one, yes. Immediately, I was like, we won't be part of this trick. And then the second part, I realized they either, the the high brain part of me thought they might kick us out. Kick us out because we're yeah. too close to the stage right. or whatever. Right. And then uh, the other part was just like, cool, if you're if you're members of the media or press, we don't want any sort of storytelling happening about how the magic is made. Yeah. I'm sure they want people to talk about it, but we're going to just skip you or avoid you or put you further back. So as soon as she said that, I said, no, because I wanted us to have the full experience. Yeah. I wanted us to be a part of the magic trick if possible. Well, yeah, also, which is also what made me like what 
which made me even more geeked out because I was like, why would you ask us if we're media or press unless we're going to be some amazing part of the trick where we actually understand the trick? Like, yeah. that's that's what I thought was happening. Like, are but you? But I think that might have been what it is because, like, if you got someone who writes about magic and is like a reporter who covers magic or like a magician, if you're in the front, like, you're seeing everything that's happening. You're seeing the stage hands move around. You're seeing what they're doing. You're catching things and you're like, oh, okay, like this is how he did it. This is how he did it. And that's gotta be unsettling for a magician if you got someone with experience sitting up close and just like taking notes like of everything that you're doing. Your yeah. I mean, so that went through my head. So she, but what happened next is- Super smooth, Eli, by the way, because no. I, I definitely wasn't expecting that question. I mean, we bought our, t we bought our tickets, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Like, we bought front row because they were available. And when she asked that question, I definitely had a nervous energy. I was just like, oh shit. Like they definitely, I feel like they created a nervous energy throughout. It was kind of weird. Let's talk about that. So eventually she leaves our table. She goes down the entire front row and asks this game, same question I'm assuming. And, but what she, what she ended up coming back to us and saying is guys. So uh, at the end of uh, the magician set, we would like you guys to stand up and applause and, and ask for an encore, right? I haven't even seen this fucking show yet. <laughs> no, I don't know. Do, is he going to need a false applause like that? That put me up. That in put a weird me place. Off. Here's yeah. what I thought it was. A lot of times, if you don't know that there's an encore coming, people will just leave. So I thought she was like, oh, okay, like he's going to do his last trick and then we need to know that there's going to be an encore so we need to start setting it up so that he comes back out and people don't leave and i'm game here's the thing is i'm yeah. game and i'm game for every live performance for the audience there's different ways to respect different live performances yeah. right like when i watch comedy i have a nervous energy and i will laugh like i'm just gonna laugh even if it's like not particularly funny but if it's not offensive to me or whatever i'm gonna laugh just because i want good energy in the room for whoever's performing to like hit their artistic stride so in a magic show when they talk about like put your phones away ask me once i'm gonna put it away like yeah. i'm not a dick i spent a lot of, we spent a lot of money on these tickets yeah. like i'm not here to fuck it up you know yeah and so and i'm with that with everything like if opera that i asked jeff before we left i was like yo are y'all dressing up because like if it's a thing like if it's a thing where you gotta wear a suit nice shoes and there's a level of respect to get into this place i'm game like if that's the community i'm in i'm all for this shit yeah so but when we got there so i know you didn't bring anything different so you're like, <laughs> you were like hey guys are you dressing up and we were like no and you're like oh good thing because i don't have anything <laughs> well i was like well, if we have to like we, we could swing through to caesar's palace shops or something and pick yeah. up some stuff sure, like sure uh, but I just, I was curious. And then we show up and like, sure enough, no, man, I show up in vans, fucking t-shirt. It's okay. Shorts. I wore basketball shorts hey, to this thing. basketball shorts, man. In the front row of a David Copperfield. And so when, when Which, also the way that they made us put away our phones was mad corny and like, yo, it made me mad. It was trash. They have a box in front of the table where they make you put your phones, but they don't just tell you to put them there. They do this whole thing where they tell you to input your email and that something's gonna happen and at like the end of the show and they're like put your please put your phones inside the box it is part of the trick it wasn't part of any trick it was why and, and so they they hit us with a lot of instructions like yeah out the but gate. and it was it was very passive aggressive instruction like the mc that came out before david hit the stage yeah which like, is also a, sta a stage which hand. was a stage hand that like worked throughout the show like had this really fake energy 
that was also like part chastising like and i get it you have to set the rules of like no photo no videography that i always respect if you're a comedian if you're a magician like i get that like you don't want you don't want people videotaping like your shit and watching it in slow motion or doing whatever like i completely get it but the way they went about it was just kind of offensive like he was it was a it was a weird vibe and then on top of his weird vibe where he's just like how's everyone doing tonight and there's like eight claps and he's just like uh las vegas you can do better than that but it's like he's not giving us enough good organic energy to get excited yeah but he's expecting more from us even though he sucks like that that was that was I have like a real time, like hard time reconciling that in my brain. Like if he came out and was like, yo, y'all ready to see a legend yeah. of magic? Someone who's the the best, most sought after yeah. magician in all yes. of the world? Yes, if he said that, I'm on my feet. Like, let's do like, this. Like out of respect, yeah. I'm going to stand and clap. Like, I'm, I'm, you got us here. We're all here because we paid money to see you. Yeah. And he comes out like, yo, y'all, this is about to be some trash magic. <laughs> <laughs> But then when he walked off, he walked off to Rick Ross's David Copperfield song, which was pretty tight and got me back into it. I was like, all right, now it's happening. It's about to go down. They got Rick Ross on here saying Rick David Copperfield over and over. And I was like, yeah, David Copperfield. So, but they had like graphics on the screen. They had a screen. They had a graphic up there that was basically this no phone graphic. Yeah. And it was matching the no phone graphic that sits on the table. Yeah. And then they started having these like, uh, stories about why you shouldn't use your phone. And I'm like, is this going to be part of a trick? Because I don't understand if I should be paying attention yet. Like yeah. there was no clear cut. This is the beginning of the show. But the way they were telling you like, okay, guys, you don't have to put your phone away just yet. Open your phone, open your email. You're going to send an email to blah, 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 davidcopperfield.com. And in my head, I'm like, I'm second guessing everything. Now. Yeah. I'm Bro, like David Copperfield's newsletter's got to be fucking booming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you have. All, so I'm like, okay, if I don't input this email, am I missing a big part of the trick later? And I don't want that. I want to be a part of every trick. But then I was like, am I inputting my email and sending something off before the show as like a contractual obligation to something that I don't want to contractually oh, oblige to. Interesting. So I, all that shit's going in my head and the instructions keep rolling on like, it's like, okay, send this email. You're going to get a response back. And then after the show, there's going to be a different response. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? You and know then, what it could have been? It could have been a, con- I mean, none of us did the email thing, but who knows? Like it could have been something that This we is just- why the email was bullshit, dog. So, Again, after the graphic of no phone on screen, then they tell you to do this shit, take like one last selfie or whatever. And then on the screen, they put this map of the world. Right. With green dots that pop up for everyone that's allegedly sending an email to blah, 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 davidcopperfield.com. Right. Everyone around the world at this moment that is sending that email. I didn't know David Copperfield was performing around the world, but let's assume he was. And so all of a sudden on the screen, you see a couple blips in Vegas. And then all of a sudden you see a couple blips in New York and Austin, no, 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 no. Texas. I think, I think you misunderstood it. Cause part of the email was to show where you're coming from to watch the show. That's what it was. So how, so how? he asked you, he was like, all right. So when you sign up for the newsletter, go ahead and put where you're from and we'll put it up on the screen later or whatever. So that's what that's what the dots were. The dots were that these people are from New York or 
that's bullshit Austria though. no I mean it was it was clearly bullshit like <laughs> it, was, it was definitely I think we can surmise it's weird vi- the weird vibes before the show opens that I've ever experienced and not just one thing right the person that said hey when someone's standing and clapping you're going to stand and clap too weird 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 for someone to say that to you like oh shit what are we actually getting into foreshadowing for what's to come when you know the weird mc weird energy the cell phone policy stuff all of it was just like dampered my energy for the show i was hyped to be walking down in that first row when David Copperfield like hit the stage, I was less excited to be there for sure because of all the stuff that we we just described. So it, when he comes out on stage finally, it, I, it dawned on me that I had never seen David Copperfield magic before. Okay, and so I, I thought that was a misstep on my part, not knowing his body of work, his body of stage work, to have something to compare this to. Okay, because as soon as he started talking, he started having these like really corny stories oh god the the script the scripting was like the the worst movie script covering the worst plot you've ever seen in your entire life so he would go through these stories and then randomly ad lib something really funny yeah like he would be coordinating someone on stage and he would say it two or three times in a really funny self-aware way so I was like, oh shit, man, I really should have seen some David Copperfield before because maybe this is his shtick. Sure. Maybe it's so self-aware and he's making fun of really over-the-top lavish stage performances. Yeah. Like this is what he I was like, yo. And I was laughing at some parts. And then some parts get really corny. But then he's his self-awareness and some of the jokes he makes are so good that I was like, Dude, you can't, that same joke can't come from the same person who's doing this other really corny shit. And so that really threw my mind into a tailspin because I was like, this dude is the Tommy Wiseau, the guy who made The Room, which is stereotypically in film circuits, the worst film to have ever been produced. The worst critically acclaimed film to ever have been produced it was so that film was so bad critically panned film yes it was that film was so bad and then built such a classic cult following for how bad it was that james franco ended up creating a movie about it and tommy Wiseau called the disaster Disaster artist Artist, which was a phenomenal film about how bad that film was and it was about this director producer that was also an actor and he funded his own film and was naive to how bad it was and kept going and going and going. And that reminded me of David Copperfield. I think and we t- we talked about this a little bit, Eli. You and I sat on kind of the opposite sides of a similar spectrum because while I can see what you were like, you that's your version is very heady, right? You're saying that there's a very famous uh, magician magician that's so self-aware of his corny script that it was a corny script to begin with and that he's basically like kind of making fun of the genre itself, right? Like he's so self-aware that he can be really corny and then be self-deprecating on stage because he knows 
he knows that of what it is i think of the uh, i think of the opposite i think that this is a script that's been around for 20 years that it's the same script it hasn't aged well over time and the whole time especially in the first hour especially when i leaned over and told you this and you laughed was like I didn't think David Copperfield wanted to perform. Yo, there's a part where David Copperfield walks to the front of the stage and he looks an audience member in the eye and it's like he's yearning for some affirmation as an artist. And he looks and he's, it looks like his, his eyes are cold, like almost like the soul has been sucked out of him. And as I'm looking, I turn around to Jeff and in that very moment, Jeff speaks what I'm thinking and he goes, Yo, he doesn't want to be here. Because <laughs> it's so fucking true. He like, I, I don't Dude, know what he does this every day. He does it no, twice, twice a day. A, yeah, I don't blame a human for yeah. not wanting to do it every Dude, single day. Five hundred shows in a year plus, and he's like, he's in his sixties. Like, I don't blame him for not having the same energy for every show. Like, at least. But he's going through the motions, like, clearly. Because even in the articles that we read after the fact, right? He, he like, reworked his show in 2012 is what I read, right? So, but even from then, that six, seven years, nonstop, 500 shows a year for the last seven years of the, of the same thing, right? So, as a human, I get it. I get that. But it was so obvious to me, that he didn't want to be there, it took all my enthusiasm away from the show. When he's asking someone who doesn't speak English in the audience, like what their name is, and asking them simple questions that they obviously don't understand, and then him getting frustrated to the point where he's basically making fun of people that paid to see him, like including like bad accents and of like people in foreign countries. Like, I was like, I was really perturbed because I was like, man, this guy is like, he, the reason why he's frustrated with you, r potential random audience person. Is you don't speak his language. Is like, well, and you're not answering it because the every minute that you don't answer, he has to be on that stage. That's like, <laughs> that's the level. That's where I thought David Copperfield's frustration with the audience came in was like, I'm trying to get home as soon as possible because I don't want to be here. And that was like the body language of his entire act. When you, when we watch YouTube videos after, right? When he's a bit younger doing different things when he's on TV, even though it's pretty corny still. You're looking at a person who at least feels like he believes in what he's doing. When I'm watching it, yes, when we watched it last night, even his even his mannerisms and his arms and like, you know, show when he like spreads his arms out for applause, like this was amazing. You don't believe him. Like his arms aren't like spread in strength. They're not he's not gesticulating with his hands like this is fucking amazing. He's like the, the way he's spreading his arms ready for applause is like he's done it 10,000 times like he's done. And, I, and that was like that was rough for me because I had previous like I love magic. I've been to the Magic Castle recently within the last six months. I've been to Penn and Teller recently within the last six months. And at the end of that Penn and Teller show. I think whether they care about their show or not, it feels like they care when I watch them. 
And I think that's the problem that I had with, with the Copperfield show, man. I just didn't feel it. Also, here's the thing. His show is set up for you guys who were high. Like, it should have been a fantastic experience for you guys. Because, like, if, it, if he had put in a better effort, updated, do whatever... There was a fucking giant spaceship <laughs> there was. that just went through the entire audience and was just floating. Granted, I looked behind the curtain and saw the guy controlling it, which kind of like took away, but whatever. But still, like there there were lights everywhere. There were lasers like you guys should have been losing your shit if this whole time it would just if it was good yeah if it was like if it was better. if it was good there were thematics that we would probably connect with with we were high there was a blue alien there was a ufo there was a 1976 disney animatronic blue alien <laughs> bro what the fuck was the alien i'm so confused you're right we were high and there was a giant ufo spaceship the size of the auditorium and we didn't lead the podcast with that like that's <laughs> that's how unimpressive he made, <laughs> he made a car appear on stage. Like, this is all shit that we should have been stoked for if it was presented better. This, okay, so before we did this podcast, we were thinking, the three of us, that we would try to see two magic shows. Yeah. We would want to see a, the blockbuster one. So we tried to think of the most blockbuster magician we could watch, and it was, of course, David Copperfield, right? Jeff had just seen Penn and Teller. That would have been my other choice. But anyway, David Copperfield. And then we wanted to go to just a raggedy shit show bro we, we got both we wanted to find <laughs> yeah, yeah, we wanted to find something maybe off strip or something like just a ten dollar show or something like variety can, show that we got handed a flyer on the strip yeah and, and yeah. like we'll, we'll have some fun maybe show some sleight of hand be corny it's okay the ticket price matches the corniness we did izzy we got both <laughs> we got both in one somehow dude it was so bad and so but the, the only i think why my mind was trying to redeem it the whole time was he's self-aware this is the show it's this crazy bad and i am the david copperfield in vegas that we're enjoying right now is a time capsule of magic yeah for better or worse the the tricks have not been updated there's nothing it looks like he just watched E.T. and was like, I need to incorporate this exact alien into my show. At one point, this dude takes out a blue fucking little alien that I'm like, what's the magic trick? Yeah, there was <laughs> no then, magic trick. And then the alien starts talking. It's just a little... Ant There's toys you could buy at fucking defunct Toys R Us right now that's still in the stock room that perform better than that alien. <laughs> And he kept like really awkwardly, anytime he had to pick up the alien from any sort of sitting position, he brings it into his belly button like he's cradling a child. But really, I don't know what he's doing. Maybe it's an actual alien and he's fucking connecting and talking through the belly button. I literally like, what? In when the I got tired, like, all right, I told you guys earlier, when I get tired, like, I lose my shit. Like, I was like, you get dead delirious. Sleepy. Yeah, like, you get delirious. Like, my eyes were burning because I was so sleepy. It was just a long day that we had yesterday. But at one point, okay, let me preface this with saying, um, we saw him, you guys saw him giving directions and whispering things yeah. to the stagehands. I didn't know this, what he was saying. I was so delirious. I was like, is this dude magic, like evil? And is he speaking Latin and summoning the devil 
so that this fucking alien comes out and starts talking and then Dude, back to the izzy shit is <laughs> higher than us like that's this just so weird, crazy though. to me but like at the same time we did notice that he's and this goes back to your room uh the with the, the room and tommy Wiseau analogy is that he is talking to producers and giving direction of the production while being the center of the while production. we're looking at him yeah and so and and i'm assuming but it wasn't just the front row that could see that like it was he's on the tv well, like okay. there's tvs no, around and there. he's because he's literally he's literally like mouthing and you can see it like bring the curtains down after he's talking and you're like are you are you directing this show too <laughs> and like what what musician who earned like 60 million in 2017 needs to like direct, direct his own show at the MGM Grand? You like, could find someone on, to bring the curtains down. On the level of like bring the curtains down. And you would think this is a show that happens 500 times a year. You need to say bring the curtains down when it happens. You should know every single beat. Yeah, and see, the, I didn't see that. I thought he was like, Christus Dominate. No, 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 no. <laughs> like, we're going to get to that fucking devil worshiping <laughs> shit that he was doing at the end. Oh, which, but, yeah. But uh, why I think this is important is, so the way he's doing these stage directions, a majority of the time they bring the mic down on him so you don't really hear it. And we were close enough that we heard it. So I want to get, but there's some parts where he was like, uh, bring the light on me. Bring the light on me! Oh, oh yeah! My God. Oh, that, bring that, the light on really? me! When he was in, that was so hilarious because he's in, he's in a center aisle in the auditorium, not on stage, with a plant, an obvious plant, like a person that was like someone that was planted, someone that not like an tweeted at him, and now he's a part of the trick. And I'm using air quotes yeah. because he just was an obvious plant, and they're like they can't, they're not, they, you can't see them. Because there's like no lights on them. And he asks for the lights and then he waits a beat and then he jokingly, sarcastically asks for the lights again. And then he asks for the lights for a third time. And I was like, where are we? Are we are are we like at the outlet mall? And like the and like the the stage the stage hand like didn't bring the light out. It's like the high school light crew. And, and the thing is, is Jeff was annoyed. I looked at Jeff and like that was annoying. For me, I thought that was part of his shtick. I thought that was the comedy that like yo my staff is half baked and like like okay yeah put the light on me please light on me. Also, like it's so it's it's a self-involved thing to ask so it's a humorous thing if you think about it like if he's supposed to be a self-centered magician that's been doing it for so many years it's comical that you can hear these things like hey yeah put, yeah put put the light on me put the light on me cool great 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 and then i want to we'll bring this back at the end but at the uh at the end of the show i want to talk about the show more but at the end of the show because i'm thinking of it right now he does this thing where he like looks at the audience because we're like clapping but still sitting like because we also didn't feel great about clapping i didn't, also, like, didn't know that it was over like i didn't know it was over either like if i knew it was over obviously out of respect i'll stand up do the ovation or whatever but there was there's no indication that it was over so i'm just like clapping like i didn't know that i'm supposed to do the standing ovation already bro so he looks at us and he does this like harry one the harry potter wand shit where he like he opens up his entire palm at us he looked at us and was like please stand please rise like please give me my standing ovation We're like yo you didn't have it bro you didn't, he didn't have deserve it. it he didn't deserve it and then he asked for it and i think again that was just like that was 
that was the frosting on top of the cake of the, that in, that entire night. And Eli, if if your random theory, which I really don't believe is correct, but if it is correct that he's so self aware that that those things like directing, mumbling about the curtains, mumbling about the lights, like is him being a dick to audience members, like is part of the act. It's one of the best performances I've ever seen in <laughs> my sure. entire life. And and if it if it turns out that that's true, I don't know how we would ever get confirmation of that. We're going to add David Copperfield. But, but, but if up. it turns out that that's the that's what the act is supposed to be. We've witnessed the most histor- most the historic greatest. performance of ever. Like it, ever. I'm talking ever all time because in reality that was just a, ma- a magician that was that was thrown in the towel, man. Like that was he's like, Bro, like he, he's he's, earn, he's, he's earning a paycheck. He's Jordan and, with the Wizards, dude. Yeah, Jordan on the Wizards is a great is is a great comparison because there's 33 million other people who have allegedly seen his shows. Yeah, what do you guys think? Like, I'm really curious. Like, I think his how shit. can we be the first ones to think of this? I don't think we're the f- I don't think we're the first ones. Which is why we like went on to review sites afterwards, and we were just like, "Come on, can we talk like, about the we reviews? Can't, we cannot be the only ones that feel this way, and we're we're not the only ones that feel this way." But the biggest thing that like makes me think like why your theory isn't good, Eli, is because on TripAdvisor we found like. I don't know, seven of the most 10 reviews that are like painting this picture of this is like the best show in Vegas are all like they don't follow anyone single review like brand new accounts just like peppering the David Copperfield section with these five star reviews. And even if even if we are like, you know, somewhat intelligent bunch, right? Somewhat. And we seeded out that this is like, oh, this is a hilarious satire of a magic show, right? And we were, we like, we could, we could see that. The average person in Vegas isn't buying David, Co- isn't buying a, a ticket to see David Copperfield, the satire magician. <laughs> like they're there to get wowed and amazed. And if that magician isn't wowed and amazed by his own shit, like how can people not be... D- you know, somewhat dissatisfied. And so, you know, I, I didn't go through hundreds and hundreds of reviews, but we did validate that there's at least a half dozen to a dozen reviews that basically talk about exact, exactly what we've experienced, right? Like, does he even care about his own show? To the point where someone said, do not sit in the front row. And we're like, damn, relatable. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think some of these reviews are fake? I mean, I'm sure some of them are, but I think there's enough where like they're specific enough and like the ones that are negative, I th- I think we had the same sentiments, but also like his show was probably lit in the eighties and nineties. Like his, his like, ha- I, he did do, I remember he did like a slight levitation one that he didn't set up well and it didn't even seem like a levitation thing. He kind of just like floated and then disappeared. And I was like, Oh, that's kind of David Copperfield desk, but cool. What what's next or whatever? But like his shtick was probably great, and we've seen videos of him in the in the nineties talking to Oprah. We saw an old like show on ABC or something when he's doing his tricks. It's the same thing. He's still doing the weird stories that look like 
I don't know, like soap opera type of shit. Yeah, it was so. It's very soap opera. Soap and opera-y. like that. That shit was like. I. I mean, people. People were liking that shit. People were obviously doing it a lot. That's why it, he probably decided to do it and do a storytelling in that way. But I mean, damn, he did not change it at all. Do, does it all? Does it all come down to like magic? Certain magic just doesn't age well, and like in in the time capsule that you described eli like the show that we saw last night would have blown people's minds off in yeah. in 1996 I you think, know I think like I, I do i do think that like i do think we're not more than 10 15 20 years removed from his that exact same show with that ex- same energy even though that's a fucked up energy. and he probably had better energy back then when yeah he, well he yeah. definitely did on the videos we watched i'm telling yeah. you like as someone who specifically watches movies for acting performances someone who like myself like wanted to study theater not because i was good at it because i was so enamored about how people can transform themselves into other people like this guy was phoning it in like he was phoning it in the entire time and that's where i'm like oh but this magic show could just didn't age like because this is a sta- this is an actual standing ovation show in the 90s in my opinion i think magic yeah. falls in the same category as stand up comedy like you need the material to be up to date because once you say the same joke like 3 or 4 times i think i think I definitely think comedy has a little bit more leeway where because you can be funny because the way you the way you perform can be funny over and over and over. But eventually you need to update your routine. So like the same comedy, if a comic had a 15 year residency somewhere, it's only funny once. It's it's how you imagine uh, comedy on a cruise ship. Like you go once because the bits are the same. And so it doesn't have that. But imagine comedy and magic, if they're in the same boat, your magic changes year to year based on what people are interested in, based on how technology changes. So like making an animal talk that's an animatronic was lit when Walt Disney was alive, but it's not lit anymore. It's not funny or cool or mesmerizing. And we get to be this critical because it's not like you're paying for a shit show. You're paying for a high-end Vegas show. I paid less for like Ka Cirque du Soleil and that thing wasn't even a magic show when I saw Better Magic. Like, I fucking cried. I did all this shit. Like, that was an awesome show. So, if we're, like, here, like, yo, you, you funny. Like, don't waste your money going to this thing. Like, even ironically. That's why, like, I can't find out if even this is an ironic funny. We went, our first high adventure, we went to Medieval Times. Great time. Highly recommend doing that. Yeah, amazing And get time. high doing it. Even sober enjoy it. At least you get food out of the experience. There's actual actors there that regardless of their skill you know they're acting you know they're performing something so you get and you're fully immersed in this time period there's still great entertainment value to, sure to medieval times yeah yeah and this one i was just like yo man i was bored yeah like i was bored there was not a trick that he did that made me feel like wow how did he do that like obviously i, I can't like we can't tell you like how he did the trick exactly like we're not like magicians and we don't know the secrets but if i but nothing wowed us that there's like everything i was like okay there's probably like a secret door there's probably like like there it it can be explained like there was nothing that he did that felt like magic like whoa like like i have like i have no idea 
and this is amazing. I don't think, I don't think any of us, especially since we talked about it after the show, there we didn't talk about a single trick after no. the show. We didn't talk about, and I just realized that we didn't after the show. We didn't talk about one single trick. We didn't say like, oh, remember that. We didn't say, oh, remember that. We left the show, and we went to go get tacos. And all we talked about for the rest of that night were those tacos. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, let's get to the tacos in a second because, fuck, they were good. <laughs> tacos del um, Gordo, just to give a little, a little, a little teaser. Preview, yeah. But there was that one trick where, again, awful. I didn't, I didn't like it at all. Man, I sound like a dumb, cynical, magic fucking... <laughs> Critic. we love magic I, mean, I love I, it that's so what much makes this conversation so hard is like we had so, and maybe it's because we had such high hopes right i mean it's just, david copperfield yeah it's it's the it's the lead the living legend it's the we we paid 500 dollars in tickets to yeah. like go see him front row right like we're 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 excited for this so he has this trick that we're going to talk about because it famously hurt one of their uh, allegedly hurt a guest there. And because the one thing I noticed all show and it was giving me anxiety is how dependent he is on the audience. Like there's a lot of audience there's a lot interaction. Of, and then a lot of the script is like built in for audience reaction, which he's not. Getting. We were not alone in that audience because like the audience reaction stuff was really awkward. Like there are times where he's just asking for audience reaction and it's built into the script, right? Like he's literally waiting a beat for audience reaction and it was just like, woo, yeah, woo. Dude, the little alien said, wait for applause on some shit. <laughs> just yeah, am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. He just programmed to say that. Yo, that, if that, that's what I was like. He's self-aware enough that he knows like it's programmed into the alien. The alien isn't a live microphone person. It's he's, actually you can think hear it was. The, I think there was someone backstage. I will bet you a hundred dollars right this moment. And you only have to give me a dollar. But if you find <laughs> that out hundred percent, that was a click. He, he didn't respond in a timely fashion. That wasn't a click uh, recording. That was just like, he would say something. The alien had the scripted next line, this little alien. And at one point, one of the scripted next line is waiting for applause. The alien was saying that like it was built into the script. Some David Copperfield thought that was funny. <laughs> he, it was in the, that's, that's like, I'm literally, my mind is going to explode. <laughs> and that's that's the only reason that kept me in the seat that because Jeff like kind of leaned in, in and whispered and, and I got the energy like like yo I'm like actually gonna leave right now I definitely wasn't because I knew we were gonna be talking about it and I also like but I wouldn't be upset at leaving at yeah, that point no, but but if you know but I was if, if I wasn't there to like have an experience and talk about it. Like if I was just there randomly. Well, if I had 24 hours in Vegas, I just wasted it. You know, yeah. I'd be like, I'm going to save some time. I'm going to leave. So, but what kept us there was again, the initial, they're like, you guys are going to stand up at the end and, and ask for the encore, which made me feel like we had a mission that night. Yeah. And then he also, right after that, they had another stage hand come run and ask the entire front row to sign with big Sharpie on this white piece of paper. Just sign your name and give it to them and I'm you're part of this trick we're like okay shit we're actually part of this trick so I wanted to see how that panned out yeah. trust me it didn't pan out guys but <laughs> but it kept us there long enough that like yo man like let's watch the rest of this because like I think he's in on how bad this is and I hope it comes full circle at the end which it did not 
yeah you think it's gonna eventually like all right what's the closer like what's the big thing like it's gonna get better it's gonna get better and it just it just never does it doesn't it doesn't get better although that t-rex was kind of tight that's kind of scared the shit out of me. What I, what I thought was about to be dope is because he gave us this whole spiel about sending an email on your phone before you put it in this like magical lockbox on your table that you can't access till the end of the, f- the end of the show, which like you can access it. You could just pull it up and grab your phone <laughs> out of there. But he kept saying this email was going to arrive. And I was like, what would be baller is if there was an actual like email on my screen i don't know how he would have done it but that would have been some magic that i would have like literally shat my pants and we had to go back to the room like that's how crazy it was it was nothing i took my phone back out and i was like i wish my phone wasn't in this box the whole time i would have just recorded this whole thing because no one's (laughs) gonna learn anything who cares so it, it was not good and then we just i don't know i was so excited to leave i think the the fact that the the biggest trick of the night was hey send me an email at the beginning of the show and we're gonna send you an email of what happens in the show and that that's but like it would be like, cool wait, if we so, didn't think it was already no but it's like i have to give you my email for like this is magic i have to give you my email I've seen ill, here's the thing, if it was like a a contemporary usage of something, like he somehow had a picture of all of us that he took at the beginning of the show and it showed up on Instagram or something at the end, like, hey guys, when did this go up? Or if it was in reverse, because he had some time travel shit that he was trying to do and that didn't land. And that's why the alien was there, I guess, that something with time travel like, I don't and the know. alien was like kind of his dad or something <laughs> his, his, it so, got weird it got weird it got weird because then he's like hey listen like if everyone can make this like basically a gang sign with your <laughs> with your hands right you're like kind of forming an a but it also it, the a gang sign with both hands that's also a heart but it's also it was essentially the sign. mason sign yeah it was like a mason sign and he kept asking us to put it all up put, in the yeah, air yeah, to like yeah. channel this oh. energy which like dude thought he was jay-z like like I'm not doing, it does look like the hove. And I was like, I'm not doing this. But the first part I was like, again, I thought this was part of it. So the first half I like, kind of like inched my hands up a little bit with my gang sign. And <laughs> and then he didn't like get the full energy he wanted. Like, Let's put them a little higher. And I was like, what's, what's the magic trick? What are we doing? Like, does all of a sudden, like all the light beams are gonna come from our hands? That would have been sick. And it wasn't. I thought the whole time, I thought Izzy was in on this show. Because <laughs> at the very beginning of the show, she's like, y'all, y'all can take one picture before we put our phones away. And then this like girl, I think the, the same girl that had asked us to like applause. Stand, yeah. So she comes running right next to Izzy. And I think there's a transaction where she like asked for Izzy's phone. And the transaction was wrong. She asked for Izzy's phone and she's taking pictures with it. It looked like she deleted some pictures that Izzy took. And then she <laughs> ran off with the phone. And I, no, that was just her phone. <laughs> so, but yeah, what ended up happening is they have these plants throughout the show that simulate people in the audience actually interested. So, like, when we're so taking weird. pictures of the stage, so weird. it was someone from the staff from on each side of the rows. They run in, they sit right behind us, and they take a picture. So, it makes it look like everyone else is taking a picture or that you should take a picture. There's no one on stage yet. Dude, to me, the weirdest one. The at the very end of the oh. show when everyone's doing a, a, a like clap. a yeah the lights are off and then i just hear a thump right next to me some dude is putting like 
a stepping um, stool a little stepping stool he jumps on it and he starts clapping right next to me and i was like why is this dude here like that's so weird and that was the sign of that they told us that would happen if you see someone standing and applauding stand with them this guy's on a stool next to our table that was planted there clapping and and it was basically like oh you will be the catalyst for the rest of the theater to st- like once you get the first two rows to stand the rest of the theater will stand in some like bane and vain attempt i didn't think of this before but you know it'd be super funny if that's not even david copperfield's doing it's like the producer wanting to massage his ego so he has these plans to make it seem like the show is more lit than it actually is and david's just like yo they are feeling me right now so look at all these people this is the documentary that we need as people <laughs> like how is this show coming together because that's a great question is david in on this shit or is his team like yo this is really bad we need to do these little <laughs> things we need to fill these seats we need to fake the standing applause we need to fake people taking pictures of their phone at first like bro i have a theory that there were only like 40 paying customers there and everyone else was just i believe it dude i believe that now it's so felt like that because most of the audience interactions those were planted like yeah all of the potential like suspension of disbelief i wanted to have and i was ready to come in for like and izzy you of all people like you love wrestling and you love you know that important part of this art and fun is like Stepping into a place where you accept the rules of this place. Suspension of disbelief. Yeah. And I've watched enough Penn and Teller where they like are very adamant about you setting up those rules for your audience. So like if there are going to be plants, it's okay. You could still have fun with plants. And these are the people that are planted in the audience to be a part of the show. It's oh, There's still entertainment value to be had there. But we didn't get either side because I think the rules were not established at a David Copperfield show. They just weren't. You're like... If he's like, yo, this guy is not a plant. He never once said that. There's not a single like element of like, have we, he, he asked one person, have we met before? But like, you could tell he didn't give a shit. Like we yeah, know each other. Like multiple I, times. I, have, like, we, have we met before? Uh, yeah, we haven't met before. It's like, like it's probably like, his wife or some shit. Like, but, I don't know. It, dude, my theory is actually what gave me even more anxiety through the show. Cause like my thought that everyone in there is a plant and working there. And like, there's only Ten of us that are like real Pain people patrons. there like when everyone started doing that illuminati sign and the fucking lights went off i was like this is it we're getting fucking kidnapped yo we're going scientology to, is yo, here fucking he had david copperfield has like 15 islands like have you i was like have people ever disappeared at a fucking david copperfield show like is this a fuck like what's going on like i was legitimately like for a moment like that was my fear yo izzy you don't need weed man <laughs> Yeah, you, you just good, need to, dog. You I just, get it. You just need to get tired. Literally, yeah. Yo, in April 2006, no. David Copperfield and two female assistants were robbed at gunpoint after a performance in, in Florida. His assistants handed over all their money, their passports and stuff. But according to the police statement, Copperfield didn't hand over anything like a G. And he claimed he used sleight of hand to hide his possessions. That, you think this story is real or is fake? fake. <laughs> Gangster, dude. dude. That's. I mean, think about into like that's a great story for the allure of David Copperfield. That is stuff of legend. Like, okay, 
I don't know, man. I need a documentary because this is so fascinating. It's, if it's all fake, yeah. If it's all, if it's or like if it's all purposeful, I think that's what you're getting at. Is like if all of this from the from the gate is purposeful. There's that's really interesting. I don't think it's possible because I think it's the amount of time, the amount of mo- and the amount of money that is involved in the David Copperfield Theater at still a historic and prestige hotel venue in Las Vegas. The amount that they have to spend to support that production. It's the house of cards, baby. You yeah, can't. it just feels like you can't you just can't make it last forever and we're literally seeing it on its last leg. You know what I thought it was? I thought maybe like Copperfield's washed needs the money like wrestlers when they're old and they they've blown all their money they're performing in my hood in baldwin park for yeah. 200 people for 500 dollars because they need that money and i was like yo that's copperfield he's in debt no dude that dude made 61 million in 2017 <laughs> like he is not i mean he might be washed but he's not broke he does not need the money he bought at the time the most expensive house in las vegas and there's a lot of money to go around in vegas and he was the one was like a 17 million dollar property that he picked up at the time like it's hard for me to believe unless he's completely fucked it up that he needs the money this bad but i mean at this point the building is named after him like it is this big yeah. house of cards that like yo man you need it so they're prepping that's why i think it'd be funny to find out what's going on behind the scenes like is this david's idea like hey i'm gonna do this i need these certain things or is there are there producers like fuck we need this to be filled so i bet you a lot of their costs are like yo do we just fill these seats like if if they're not showing up like how do you keep up that energy because i hadn't heard of david copperfield in quite some time until we thought we were going to go to vegas like he's not putting out other content i understand why penn and teller sell out shows i get that yeah because they're all over tv they do to this day to this day so they're they're relevant now david blaine is still relevant like i i could see how him he probably wouldn't do a residency like that because he understands the nuance of magic that you wouldn't do you wouldn't trivialize your show and there's a certain there's a certain conversation that a lot of artists have before they onboard a residency in vegas it's one of those things like it is a prestige thing but at the same time vegas isn't what it was for those level of artists right if if for vegas like if blink 182 has a residency it's not like blink 182 at their peak it's 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 the it's the last stand while also making a shitload of money exactly it's like the backstreet boys boys to men right like nothing bigger is gonna happen to that group after the fact but they're able to capture their legacy yeah why is bruno mars here that dude is not washed no and, and That's i think weird. well and i think you have the, in vegas you still have gaga and bruno and you still have like people doing like what i would say more contemporary residencies but when you're you know at, well, after watching that show copperfield is definitely like this is the last leg like this is it in my opinion well, at least we can say we saw him we did we did yeah <laughs> and <laughs> the tacos were bomb yeah. after yeah, yeah. We, we went to tacos del gordo oh, yeah. it's a uh, Dude, you, the shaved pastor, like you guys, you guys have never had the pastor there, right? No, that, that was your first no. time. Oh, it was so good. I, I, that's one of my go-tos when I go to San Diego, and I was curious, like, if it's just as good here in Vegas. I feel like it's still a little better in San Diego, but that that pastor, like, it's it's consistent, man. 
Those tacos are nice. What is it? Yeah, I don't know what. I have to figure out. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure the green. So they put a red salsa, and they also have this like light green sauce that I didn't. I've, I've never really seen it. Might have been like cilantro avocado based. Yeah, I feel like it's something like that. But it definitely had dairy. Oh really? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure because mm. like my stomach started like reacting, oh. not in like a crazy <laughs> yeah, way, yeah. but like started like it just started like reacting and i was like oh i'm pretty sure that's what that was but from a flavor perspective the pastor the crispy pastor like coming mm. off the spit the grease drenched tortillas oh, like fr- yeah. fr- like fried on that's the secret the flat top it is mm. that is the big part of the secret and then uh onion cilantro the 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 red salsa which i think was heat right add spice but then like the green sauce that added like another just like another component those two sauces together it was it was amazing i mean we ordered four each and then went back in there for more i mean it was it was really great i feel i feel like they they get a little a little flack for kind of being like a semi chain now they got a few locations in san diego and now they've moved over here to vegas so people were like ah it's not like the street taco that we're used to like oh the best tacos are from that one truck but i mean they're consistent i think their pastor is at least in my top three i think oh, man, i love so how good. thin they shape it close to where it's crispy on the spit so yeah. like every bite of meat you get of that pastor is bright red but crispy and then nice little bite and chew to it so you get a little bit of that meat and it since they shave it off that close it's all that so you're not getting like a big chunk of meat small chunk of meat it's just like this nice shaving of al pastor meat and then you do it con todo with like the onions and the cilantro and the red sauce and that green sauce it's just a perfect bite it's hot then it's cooling the the tortillas are amazing like i could sit i could have sat outside of el gordo for hours bro <laughs> just sessioning these tacos and that's all we got we got the pastor we didn't we didn't even fuck with nah. the other meats i remember turning like yo should we try the other meats and you guys are just like man why fuck with success like, <laughs> it's just good like we already we already risked something earlier with copperfield <laughs> i realized that our uh our high shows for the podcast are becoming our like entertainment review shows <laughs> like it's like it's gonna be our way to just experience different things outside of food and talk about them in in a context but i'm having i'm having regardless of the of the last show it's it's still it's like it's really it's really fun for me it's really fun and I, th- I feel like uh i think we could have we tried to find a little bit more positivity throughout it but uh, frankly guys we couldn't even fake it like <laughs> i think i think the only thing that would make this even better is if someone else could uh, could help research the behind the scenes of david copperfield productions because i want to know how much of this is self-awareness how much of this is a magician on their entertainment's last leg and how many people are being duped if David Copperfield teamed up with Taco El Gordo and just served him at the show, I'd be so much more down. It'd be a sick collab. <laughs> yeah, but I mean... Copperfield de, de Gordo. Copperfield de Gordo. Yo, but I mean, I, I mean, these are pretty fun to record. I, I, hope, I hope the people out there are enjoying it. Yeah, we hope you're enjoying them. Let us know if you guys want us to do a specific activity or uh, see a specific show. We're definitely taking lots of ideas. Um, definitely wanted to thank bloom again for donating uh the product that we had both 
uh, the Synergy chocolate bar, as well as the Just Society cannabis-infused green tea. Um, I'll definitely be having some more of those. That was, I think that was actually my favorite part of the evening, finding mm. a five milligram sessionable green tea that tasted good. Like yeah. I'm going to be all over those. We'll put up a picture on the catch up Instagram too. That shows you what we drank, what we consumed. So you guys can, if you liked it and you want to try it, you can go for it. Shout out to bloom for, for always uh, pointing us in the right direction for our edibles when we land in Vegas and in orange County and in the Bay. So hit them up. Uh, I think they're at let's bloom l-e-t-s-b-l-u-m on ig if you guys uh want to go and you don't believe us about any of the david copperfield shit we just spewed about you can go book it probably on the mgm website uh izzy did you have fun yeah man i mean overall we, we it show wasn't great but we had a good time yeah can't win them all <laughs> see you next time guys bye see you guys <laughs>